turn by McKenna. Hello and welcome back to the Premier League Trio podcast. My name is Hayden and I'm your host as usual today. This is an absolute honour for me. I've been following Jamie for a long time and I know a lot of United fans will know who he is. He is a Manchester correspondent for The Guardian, The Observer and generally just one of the nicest people out there. Jamie Jackson, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. And what a lovely... Um... Introduction, thank you so much. Very cat too kind, probably. <laughs> not at all, not at all. But, Jamie, let's just jump straight into it. And um, look, it's been a bit of a difficult time for Man United fans, I think. Maybe I'm one of those impatient ones, I will argue. Perhaps I can be at times, along with the rest of the fan base. But um, we've seen United be a little bit slow in the market. Looking at Chelsea, they've gone and secured some very good signings. And, you know, through the door very quickly. And United have been a little bit on the back foot. But we've seen that... The reports have just come out before we started recording that Donny van der Beek has signed officially for around £35 million, I believe. So I just want to ask you, was this one that came out of the out of nowhere or was it one that United have had in the irons for quite a while? Uh, listen, if, if they've signed a player or even if they get very far down the road, it won't just have occurred last week or so. Um, I think what's happened is they've got two or three players, sorry, positions, that, that they're interested in. That would be obviously the wide attacking or attacking player, which is Sancho's number one, a centre-back uh, and yeah, a, a midfielder. And then, you know, you could, if one of those doesn't happen, they might look elsewhere. Um, and so it's interesting because, you know, you, you mentioned about Chelsea. Chelsea were in catch-up to a certain extent because they, they were banned last summer, weren't they? So they're doing, you know, two lots of summer's business in one, if, if you like. I don't even recall that. So that, they really, you know, they really had to get their skates on, take advantage of that. United, sometimes it happens early, sometimes it doesn't. But if you look at Fernandez in January, I always thought that would happen. It's easy to say afterwards, maybe, but I just did, just because of the way in which I was being spoken to about it by people who should know. And this, I know you didn't necessarily ask me about Sancho, but Sancho is similar to that. But just, just on um, uh, Van der Beek, I think it's, it, I think it's a good signing. I think, you know. Pogba now has direct competition. I don't think, as we stand at the moment, he's threatening Fernandez. I mean, I know Fernandez is playing higher up in the pitch, but he can also play central midfield. If you know, you can do two, and, and you wanted him to be one of them. I, you know, it's good competition for Pogba. I think Pogba, on his day, is a magnificent footballer. You know, a total package of a footballer. Apart from anything else, he just. In, in his own quiet way, he does sort of control a game. But what I would say is, Solskjaer's two things. He thinks he's not consistent enough. And also, I know he scored a few goals. He, he did well for goals the season before last because he got into the PFA uh, player of the season, sorry, player of the t- team of the season for this purple patch. But I think generally he's not happy about the amount of goals from midfield. If you look at Fernandez as a kind of front forward. So anyway, that, I think that's that's why he's, he's brought him in. Um Good signing. It's 39 million euros plus 5 million euros add-ons, as I understand it. You know, the, the guy was wanted by Real Madrid, Barcelona. You can't get much better sort of recommendation or competition than that. Um, 
you know, if COVID hadn't happened, and you know, obviously the first thing is it's, it's a tragedy for everyone who's been affected by it. But with regard to the finances, you might not be at United because Barcelona, for example, might have had um, the money. Um, you know, you can then say that Juventus might have had the money for, for Pogba. It's a slightly different story. I'm going off on a tangent. But what I'm saying is it's a good signing. It's a great signing. But he's got to prove it like they all do. You know, it doesn't matter where you come from. Um, I suggest Lionel Messi, if he goes to City, we'll have to prove it a little bit. I'm not saying he's not going to do it. It's Lionel Messi. But anyway, this is I, what I like about it most is it's not an exact rule. But if you play central midfielder, midfield for Ajax, you're a pretty decent footballer. And he's only 23. I hear not only is he, has he got the talent, but up here he's got it. Um, a little bit like Fernandez in that he, you know, he's just a bit ruthless about wanting to win. And let's wait and see what happens. But I, You've got to remember about this window. It is a very odd window because of everything that's happened, the, the pandemic induced lockdown, the fact that we've only had two or three weeks before we start the season again. I mean, I know United have an extra week, but, you know, and then, and then the window going to sort of the 3rd or 4th of October. So I wouldn't... I think this signing's happened just in time. If they get to, to the start of training, um, which started today, actually, I believe, and, you know, it's just happened, that's that's great. But if they, if they, if they sort of got to the end of the first week or into next week and they haven't signed anyone... It's looking a little bit not great. But now I'd say, you know, they're about par for where they should be, if I could put it that way, in terms of having one signing in. Looks a very good player. Bit of a coup price-wise. I mean, it's a bit like Fernandes. I'm surprised there wasn't stronger competition. And in January, we we were all thinking, covering the club, oh, is that a sign that Fernandes isn't what he's supposed to be? Because why isn't anyone else jumped in? But, you know, let's see what happens next season. But so far, so brilliant from him. So I think, I think it's... You know, the Harry Maguire thing hasn't helped. There's a bit of turbulence there. I'm not saying it's a distraction, but it's last thing the club needed, sort of, you know, in this sort of period. So I think Woodward and Solskjaer, because it'll be Solskjaer who's driving this. Make no mistake about this. It'll be Solskjaer who said, I want that player. They don't sign anyone there, as it should be, without the manager saying, yeah, I want that player. Um, it's not to say that they can't knock back choices of his, but what I'm saying is he would never actually. So he'll be happy. So let, let's wait and see what happens in, in the sort of the other two position I mentioned, which is, Centre back and a, and a forward. You know, I think you've got to definitely get a centre back. The forward, yeah, you have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, you have to. The thing is, yeah, go on, Joe. I was just going to say, centre back. Too many times I saw Lindelof and Maguire turn for pace, got up with pace. They can make they can be made to look a little bit clumsy sometimes. The odd time, listen, people make mistakes, but there's too many times I thought crumbs. You know, Maguire was a little bit underwhelming for me. I'm not saying he didn't make you better. I'm not saying your defence wasn't good. But, you know, you're Manchester United. You've got to be supreme. You know, that's what Manchester United are. Look, you know, you don't need me to tell you that. So, yeah, you know, centre-back centre um, is is the next one. So, um, so let's wait and see what happens. I completely agree with that. But before we move on to centre-backs, I know we've been linked with a few names. But on the Paul Pogba point, Look, I might be yeah. a bit negative here, but if Pogba had, if there was no pandemic and Pogba had an offer from Juventus or Real Madrid, he'd be gone straight out that door. Uh, he's made it very clear a few times. Riola's obviously said it. He wants to leave. I think obviously what you're seeing at United is there is an element of progress. There's an element of uh, a plan in place, which we haven't seen for probably about seven years. Clearly, the ownership do see Oli as someone who can build for the future as well. My feeling is that maybe this is just me just, you know, playing devil's advocate. But is Van der Beek coming in with the view that he settles for one year, he's not put under pressure because obviously Pogba's there, and then next summer Pogba finally gets his move? 
I think the beauty of th this signing is, yes, if that's what develops, that's what occurs with regard to Pogba. I think you, I think the way you put the question is, is perfect because you've almost got the answer to the question in it. Uh, you know, but if United have a flying season and, you know, Pogba... Because I think what's happened with Pogba is I think he suddenly thought, wait a minute. Because to a certain extent, I couldn't really blame him if he wanted to leave. I mean, been there sort of two or three years and you were sort of stagnating. But now with what's happened, it looks like you're going to build on it. I think he's, he, he is genuinely fancying it uh, more than he ever has done. And I've got to say, listen, he makes mistakes in games, but I've never really... Well, I've never seen him not trying a match. You know, he can, he can, he can be better or worse in terms of actual form, but he's not someone who sort of, you know, he always brings something to the team. But I think you're right. I think this is the beauty of this signing. If Pogba decides, you know, if, if it sort of uh, flares up again with him and he, you know, there is an offer there and, it, and he wants to leave and they do have, you know, suddenly you're strengthened. And I think this is why he's being, I think this is why, you know, Solskjaer is cleverer than, not you, but maybe some people think because he, you know, he's looking at all these situations all the time to assert, you know, like he, like he should do. But I just don't think there was necessarily that kind of, for whatever reason, it started with Woodward and the managers involved. But with Mourinho and Van Gaal, it wasn't quite as uh, long, long, it wasn't quite as much of a short-term and a long-term plan. And it's interesting, you touched upon it there. Believe you me, they 100% believe he can win you a title. Yeah, otherwise they would, they would have sacked him last season a couple of times. Uh, the week early December when you were playing Spurs and City. There was a chance then if you wanted to, and then there was one towards the end of January. The actually, game. Just Burnley. before they came in, right? But but they were never going to... You know, I kept asking the question. I was told, I was told, you know, no way. What we said at the start of the season. So, oh, you know, people should realise that. And that's why what's happening this summer is good because he's got them third. He's got the club third, which obviously he wants to. He does love the club. But what I'm saying is, you know, there's money to be earned from the fact that you're going to be in the Champions League. And I think he's, you know, they're going to now repay him, if you like, or do what they should do, which is, is back him. And so, to put it another way around, you could have maybe have seen a scenario in this window where you'd have got, say, you got a centre-back and Sancho, which is a great window. And, and people would have thought, OK, you know, he's got two players, one of them Sancho, one of them's hopefully a very good centre-back. But it looks like they're trying to get three, which I think is an excellent window. You know, they really are sort of pushing it out because maybe they've been a little bit cuter. How can I say it? Because I think um, Woodward has said publicly once at least, maybe up to one of these, um, uh, you know, when he gets on the phone for the quarterly accounts to some yeah. holders. But what, what, I can't remember. What, so anyway, and he said that, oh, you know, it'll be difficult this, this window. We, we're in the pandemic. And I think maybe he's saying that, but at the same time, he's, he's also saying, well, there's actually some money here. They're just not making it public, which is clever, you know. So I did see I did see that, actually. Yeah, I think it was in the AGM meeting where he said this. Yeah. But that's that's one of the questions I want to ask, because obviously, like I said, you're very well connected with the club. You're in contact with very key people. But usually there's a big fanfare around United's business every summer. And what you see is that United are linked. They're still linked to nearly every name under the sun. But what you do see is that there is a lot more talk coming from the club. It's eerily quiet, apart from Jane Sancho, which we'll talk about later. I'm sure you're bored as hell about talking about him. But it's very, very quiet. And this Van der Beek deal, although we've been discussing it with Ajax since January, that literally in the space of 24 hours, United just flipped the switch and he's a United player. So are the clubs sort of learning? Because you always hear Edward would say, oh, United can do what no other, other clubs can do. That's literally like going into a shop and you want to buy, I don't know, 
uh, whatever, a new fireplace. This is such a bad example. I don't know why it says fireplace, probably because it's cold outside. But it's going <laughs> into the shop <laughs> and you want to buy a fireplace. You're like, oh, hello, I want to buy a fireplace. I've got 250 million pounds. Direct me to a fireplace, please. And they're going to go and pick out the worst one and say, okay, yeah, this is about 2 million pounds. It's so yeah. ludicrous. And I feel like Woodward gets so much abuse. And look, a lot of it is warranted when it comes to the football inside but i think a lot of it is misplaced i think people need to understand the structure of the club better um but for you do you think united because i didn't think we'd sign more than three players but you're saying to me uh a central, central midfielder a central center back a forward and what one more maybe i don't know what i'm saying is if they'd only got two Sancho and a center back i think they could have inverted commas got away with that people have looked at it and say okay pandemic affected window Sancho's 9,200, the centre-backs, like, say, 40, whatever you've just paid for Van de Beek. OK, that's acceptable. But what, what, what the Van de Beek one says to me is, actually, they're going for three. Prop, they, they really are going out for three, which I think is... Just, that's actually a, a normal window for United. So you got, you got three last summer, right? Uh, James, Maguire and Juan Bissaka. So that says to me, wow, they are, really are backing. They mean business and they are being clever about it. Um, you know, th they would admit, because they have admitted... That, that, that they've messed up in previous window, uh, summer windows. You know, not last summer, because I think that was the best one they've had until maybe this one. But, you know, the one with Moyes was, was a joke. They've never used that word. You know, pe people who would know about it at the club, but, you know, they, they, they understand that it wasn't great for Moyes. You know, blah, blah, blah. And so here we are, five or six years, well, seven years later. And you listen, they, they, you know, they should have learned by now. And, I, you know, and I think what we're seeing is that, that, that they have, and I think Woodward, does deserve credit. He, he's never, not for a little while now, he's never really taken football decisions. Obviously, he has to sign off a cheque, if you like, or, you know, green light, a, uh, an acquis a, a, you know, potential acquisition. But he's never scouted or identified a player. I said, all right, we, you know, there's, there's no way. There's no way. He, he, he is a clever man. But there's been a clever man and there's been the, the chief executive or executive vice chairman of Manchester United Football Club, it's difficult. And so going, to, going on to Solskjaer, as the manager, he, he deserves a, a massive amount of credit. Listen, the club was not a happy place under Mourinho. It just wasn't. On the field and off the field, you know, internally, they were, it just it wasn't a particularly joyful place to work there. You know, I know a lot of people who work there, whatever strata, you know, whatever part of the football side, blah, 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 I can go for it all. Um, I, you know, if you've not got a happy club internally, when it's something like sport, football, which does depend so much on confidence and morale and spirit, you're going to get nowhere. And he's revamped that while while also revamping the team, you know, start, starting to shift out players. And then finishing third means that his, his authority there at United is growing. It's never been more, never been stronger. Um, and so the club is becoming more and more his, if you understand what I mean. It's more and more in his vision. And that's how it should be. Pep Guardiola at City. I know he's got a director of football, but it's Pep Guardiola's football club. It's Pep Guardiola's football team. And that's how it should be if you've got the right manager. If you've got the wrong one, then you're in trouble kind of thing. And that's why that's why you get an argument for a director of football. When you've got the wrong manager in, what happens is, is people go, oh, crumbs, what we're doing here, if we had a director of football, we could get rid of this guy. But because the director of football is in charge of the sort of way we want to play and the type of players we want to sign, it doesn't. That, that's like a safety valve. But the problem with that is, is... In the in the in the in the working model of a director of football, the manager kind of wags the tail of the director of football. So what I'm saying is, is 
director of football isn't really needed. You only really need one when it's like Van Hal and you, you're signing sort of Schweinsteiger who's passed it and Falcao who's, who's sort of half injured, bless him. It's not his fault, obviously. You know, it's all a little bit... Di Maria's coming and he's writing a love letter to Real Madrid fans saying, I wish I wasn't leaving when he's signing for Manchester United. I mean, as a British record, you know what I mean? You know, that, that, that's yeah. all a little bit. But those days seem to to, to have gone. Um, and I think it is a really good model if you get the right person for it to be an ex-player. I'm not saying any ex-player, you know, an ex-United player, because I think what happens is, with Solskjaer, the thing that I think we underestimate, you know, people who write about the club, and maybe yourself, is that because he'd been there and done it at United, you know, he'd won you the European Cup, he'd, he'd won five titles, he'd been one of Fergie's four strikers. Wasn't always in the team, but Fergie really had... He'd, he'd been there and done it. And, and because of the intelligence, it meant that he walked in there and players, you know, the one hand there was a, a view, oh... What's he ever worn? It's only in Norway. But he could walk into United and he knew everyone there. And the players there are like, wow, Solskjaer. You know what I mean? And that was a really smart move. And I think this is the best the best signing they've made since Ferguson left, is signing him as a manager. Because even if, even if he doesn't win you the title, they now understand what the sort of fit you need at that club. Um, it sounds more, obvious. It's more, yeah, it's, 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 more though, it's more than just your CV, isn't it, and your credentials? Because... Managing Manchester United, I mean, Jose Mourinho was obviously one of the is one of the greatest managers of the last two decades, probably of all time. I mean, he he, you can't argue that his his trophy record is brilliant. And when you're watching the Spurs documentary, you can see, look, the guy's fascinating. He's just yes. if if he's on a good sort of um, I suppose good good wave. If he's riding a good wave and he's happy, he is probably the most charming and brilliant manager to have. But if he's not, then he's he's destructive. And look, I think. He was never the right fit for United. You've got to be cut from that cloth. Right? I know it sounds so cliche. I don't think any of the managers since Sir Alex, if you look at Moyes, that sh he should never have got the job. I remember hearing that appointment. I said, he's he's going to get sacked before the end of the season. Van Hal came in. He came in too late. But again, some of the signings were just puzzling. He spent a lot of money as well. That year when they bought Di Maria, Herrera, Schweinsteiger, Schneiderlin, Luke Shaw, that was a nearly £200 million a year summer. So again, that was terrible. And then Jose came in probably too late. But... Oli understands the club. There's there is an aura about him. I'll be honest with you, and then you know, I, I'm I'm always happy to be proven wrong. That's important in life, isn't it? If you're someone that can't change your view, then you're just someone that you know you can never have a conversation with them. I sure. when that day we lost to Burnley, I said he needs to go. He's so out of his depth. I looked over his shoulder and I saw Maurizio Pochettino, who I still think is a, a wonderful manager. And again, he for me has that some similar traits to Solskjaer. They seem like they're cut from the same cloth. They seem to carry themselves well in the media. They seem to be people that are good man managers. They play football in the right way. I mean, was there ever a idea that United were going to go for Pochettino? Because it's quite obvious and it's quite well known that Woodward has been an admirer of Pochettino during his time at Tottenham. And he did a great job changing a club which was underachievers to becoming a Champions League regular. Listen, I don't think, I think since he got the job permanently, which was, was it March or April of 2019? <laughs> I've lost track. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, it was sort of last year, wasn't it? Yeah, 2019. Um, I don't think they've really looked at Pochettino seriously. It's a little bit like, you know, when they're going for a player, they'll have, look, if this doesn't work, they've got to have a, a backup plan. But I don't think they ever thought about it strongly because I think, I think he, he, impressed them with, with, with what, what he thought the club needed, which was like sort of 
making it kind of Manchester United as Manchester United should be again with regard to the, the morale, the culture, uh, the team ethic. And I just think then this season that's just gone, don't get me wrong, there was plenty of times when I, as a, as a reporter for The Guardian, which was trying to find out, look, is he under threat? And every time the message came back, no. Now, you can be told that, right, in football. I'm not, not talking necessarily about United. You can be told that in football, and the next day, manager A gets sacked. You're like, oh, thanks a lot. <laughs> but, you know, when if you talk to a few different people at the same time about, you know, like social position, you're hearing the same thing, you, you have to sort of go with it, because what else have you got? You know, if you're talking, you should know. So I don't really think they ever thought about Pochettino seriously. What I would say about Solskjaer as well is he isn't as... Maybe you don't think this. I'm not saying you do, but he, he isn't a soft touch. You know, he, he was in that team with Keane, you know, Cantona, you know, um, proper footballers who are like brutes, if you like, you know, the nicest possible way. But you know, you go out on the football pitch with them, Gary Neville. You know, Beckham was a born winner. You know what I mean? These people didn't really players like that. And this is what he's after doing. They captain themselves, if you understand know what I mean, when they go out. You know, you've got like. Sounds a bit cheesy, but you've got like five or six, eight, nine, ten captains in a, in a proper team because they just all they've all got this self pride and they're like, you know, this is me and I'm going to perform for myself and for the team. I don't need anyone, and you know, you can you sort of see where Keane gets frustrated when he's looking at not just United but football players. And I'll look at this because he, you know, he, he complete opposite to, to, takes total responsibility, um, and I think Solskjaer's got that. And I think that's what he's getting in his team. Fernandez. The, the game you played against Lask, the last one before lockdown away in the in the Europa League, was very interesting because it was behind closed doors. You could really hear because I, you know, I went there and covered it. You know who was vocal? Maguire as captain was quietish, but you could hear him. But Fernandez, wow, he'd only been there I think about a month. He was rollicking. Mm. You know, the guy was like a ball of I, 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 and we need to win, and that's what he's doing. And I think that is spread up. I think Woodward, who's a smart cook in his own right, and the Glazers, whatever you say about them. You know, they were smart enough to keep on Ferguson. You might say that's an easy thing to have done, which it is in a way, but you know, he wasn't keen on the Glazers coming in. And, you know, if that had upset them, it, you, know, but, you know, they could see what they had. And I think, yeah, they, they, there's been some serious missteps. It's interesting you say about people being able to change their mind. I thought Moyes was a great appointment because I thought it was, at the time, I thought it was refreshing. I thought, it, not necessarily for the football ability, because not too much about it, but I just thought... Well, a British manager. Yeah, they haven't gone for a big name. They've got they've almost kept it the United way, and that backfired. So I was proved wrong on that. You know, we, we all get these things wrong. Um, so I, I would be very excited if I was a United fan because I think this next season you've got what is it uh, a month left of this window now, right? Yes. I mean, just in with Van der Beek as we're discussing, you know, you could sign a player tomorrow. You, you know, before you know it, you could have these three players, and it's like wow, like, look, you know, he's got them singing his tune. He's got three more players that he wants. You know, I don't think many teams are going on to play play United next season if you can get these other two players in. I agree completely. It's uh, it's fascinating, but it was it's a difficult job, isn't it? I might as well ask you then about your autobiography before we talk yeah. about a few transfers because this is just a great conversation, and I think there's a lot of people out there. I've look, I'm not one to have a little keyboard warrior argument with someone, but of late I've had a few because someone turned around and said Ollie is the virus, but it just makes me angry because, like, as you said, the culture in the club needed a reset and. That was always going to take time. My fear was always that would he be able to make as many wholesale changes as he could each summer? That was that's my issue. I, I still firmly believe, like as you said, three is usually what we bring in. We should be 
United usually should be looking at more than that, in my opinion, at least minimum four every summer to improve the squad. But talking about Ollie and your autobiography, just tell us, tell the listeners a bit more about that and um, what sort of insight have you got? Because obviously you're going to be working very closely with him. Yeah, I nearly, I nearly sort of mentioned this because I was, I've was i been writing this, this biography um, basically since he took over. Well, since he became permanent manager, actually, is when I signed the deal, yeah? So, that, as I say, that was March, April of last year. So, I have watched this whole thing unfold in real time as I'm doing this biography. And the biography is obviously from when he was born, you know, as a kid, to sort of now. But, obviously, a massive chunk of it is United as a player, but also as a manager. And, and what, what struck me as I was doing um, and talking to players he'd had, uh, you know, when he managed in Norway, uh, even ones at Cardiff, ones he played alongside, was... Nearly all of them would like the best way to describe it. They would sort of almost light up at the sound of his name. So even even however many years later it would be, he'd had a, players who played under him, especially he'd had an effect on not just as a footballer, as in adding to their game and making them to coin, you know, a phrase I heard more than once, the player that they are now, but also as human beings. There's a real human touch there, and people people remember that. People remember how you're treated, yeah. But what it means in the short term in a team environment is. You actually really, it's not just a job, you actually really are getting something to do with your own personal feelings of worth and happiness out of, you know what I mean, out of, play, out of playing in this team and for, for this guy. That's certainly how it's characterised to me about Solskjaer. You know, he made a difference to their lives, not just their sporting careers. So anyway, I'm, I'm getting all this stuff and I'm thinking, he's gone to Norway, it's his first managerial job, you and I can have a debate and I could see it all sorts of ways about, well, it's only Norway. I'm not saying that, but people might say, but, you know, he wins Molde a title, their very first title ever in their history, in their 100th year, in his very first year of management. Yeah. And then he goes and retains the title. Again, I'm gonna, I am gonna. can hear people say, yeah, but it's only Norway, but I, I don't care who you are. If you go into a football club that's never won anything in 100 years, is, is it one of the sort of, not minnows, but kind of da- down the pecking order in Norwegian football and you convince those players that forget about those 99 years of history we're going to win this this summer this season even though I'm new to management and then they go and do it that's quite impressive then to retain it is a different thing so anyway I'm getting all this information hearing all this but I'm seeing what's happening at United and you're going from sort of the, the great start to like the really terrible finish to last the season before last you know when you lost at Everton 4-0 that, 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 that run of form and I'm thinking crumbs are they going to get rid of him here or are they going to give him some proper time and he survives that and I'm, I'm seeing all this stuff. I'm, I, I was getting so much, uh, I don't know, di- di- different sort of types of negativity. Oh, you've done this book about he's going to be sacked. You know, and I can sort of think, well, yeah, he may well be sacked, but it doesn't take away what, what I, you know, the sort of story of his life. But at the same time, you don't want him to be sacked because you, you feel like he's got a chance. And so for, to see him come through it now, it's interesting because I wonder how many people, you, you've obviously done it, and there, there will be a lot of people you know, we'll sort of say, well, maybe we've got this wrong. The thing with football, though, right, is United could conceivably, I don't think it will happen, but you could conceivably lose your opening three or four next next season. I don't think you will, but what I'm saying is if that was to happen, suddenly he'd be rubbish again. And as always, the truth is somewhere, you know. It's reactionary, isn't it? It's what it's either one extreme or another. And as, as football has... And society's gone the same way, hasn't it? As football has, I suppose, become more... Well, a la- lack of patience. I think society is reflected in football. If you look on Twitter and football, you, I so I praised Arteta the other day because I, after the Community Shield, because I actually think of uh, the three managers that get compared a lot: Lampard, Solskjaer, and Arteta. I think Arteta is 
the tactically the best. I think he's so impressive what he's done in such a short time with a club who have you know had awful an awful defense for the past what decade they've been spanked by the big teams and he's gone and beaten city he's beaten liverpool twice i know one was on penalties he's beaten chelsea and i was getting so many, so much abuse from united fans saying why are you tweeting this he's not you know it's, it's rubbish but uh, you know to have an opinion that's a little bit different and to stick to that is very you know very i think that's quite admirable yeah and, and, and i think Solskjaer's also kind of had to because everything you've got to remember about football it's there's not many businesses in which the business side of a business is played out in public and it's reported on you know you know so there's so many things that someone like Solskjaer or Ed Woodward you know or any club can cannot say publicly they just can't there might be something screamingly wrong which is doing a massive injustice it happens all the time or, or a minor injustice or it's just you know it's a breakdown of communication whatever it is. but for, for, for a myriad number of reasons they cannot write them in public you know, so they have to almost wear this stuff. You know what I mean? They're, listen, they're paid handsomely. They're multi-millionaires, and that is part of the job. Don't get me wrong. One hundred percent. That is kind of part of why these guys and, and, and women, you know, when there are women involved, um, are good at their jobs because they're able to, to judge. And anyway, so you know, with, with Solskjaer, I think he's a smart cookie, and I give him a real chance. I give him his, easily the best chance of anyone you've had since Ferguson. And you might say that's obvious now, but I don't think it was obvious, you know, in Christmas sort of time or whatever. But, I, you know, I was thinking, mm, I think, he, you know, I think he just needs, I remember writing a couple of pieces for The Guardian saying what he needs now is just to survive till the summer, you know, where we are now, sort of the close season, because then he'll get some more players in and blah, 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 blah. So, you know, it's, it, it is very interesting. I just think, again, I like, I like, you know, if you can get Sancho, I don't know if you want to talk about Sancho now, but, that would be a very good sign. Yeah, let's do it. Well, let's talk about Sancho. I'm sure I'm sure you're bored about Sancho, but look, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a three parter. Okay? Yeah, because <laughs> I'm sure I know you've been on a few podcasts this week. I know you went on Usman's the other day. He's a good friend of mine, and um, so you I know you've I even heard you on All for United because I contribute there as well. You've maintained that you think you you said all parties want it, and I agree, I agree with that. Um, I think it's quite obvious that obviously it's United's top choice Dortmund have a price and if United pay the price then it's, then it will happen and Sancho clearly I think wants to move but I don't think he's going to rock the you know the boat because he's he owes his career to Dortmund really you've got to think about it he made the big you know I guess risk of moving to Germany new culture different football at such a tender age and they've given him the platform to become one of the best young talents in the world so it would be completely unfair for United fans to expect him to go and rock the boat there. That's my opinion. I, I know a lot of people disagree with that. But I had Kieran Maguire on the other day. He's a football finance expert. Um, very fascinating. And we went through United's finances. Yes. And um, United are in a healthy position, of course. We know that. But they don't have enough to put down payments uh, that large up front for a player. For me, if they can't do that and they can't shift players out the door, then the transfer doesn't happen. Simple as that. So, do you think it's going to happen? I know it's difficult for you to say. Is it true that United's money situation is a little bit tight compared to the likes of Chelsea? Obviously, they've had a transfer ban, so they've got an extra year of spending. And finally, is Joel Glazer, as the reports came out a few weeks ago when I last spoke, first spoke to you, um, is he the one that actually signs off on the deal? Because for me, yeah. that's a bit of an issue. When you've got, obviously, it's his, his club, but when you've got someone at the top, micromanaging like that and he when he sees value and that's a very subjective metric for me as a fan value is 
potential, current ability, what he can become, what he offers to the team, what he gives the manager in terms of an extra dynamic in attack. But to Joel Glazer, someone that isn't a football man, and like for you, you're the same as me. You're thinking footballing terms. Obviously, you've got to think about the commercial value, but as a as a commercial person or a businessman, surely you're just looking at at the numbers. Okay, well, the heat, if it's this much for this, you know, this age, this bigger contract, can we afford it? Well, I mean, to take the last part or the last question of the, of the three there, I don't think it's anything new that Joel Glazer, um, you know, I wouldn't call it micromanaging, but, I, I, you know, I think him and Woodward speak, if not daily, most days, and have done ever since Woodward sort of took over from David Gill, which is sort of 2013, obviously, that summer. Um, so really, that's kind of, that's not, not a big surprise to me that, you know, that that's suddenly, someone has written that, because I think, and, and I wouldn't look upon it, in a way, Woodward, well, it's not Woodward, as you just said, it's not Woodward's club, so Woodward has to go to his bosses because, you know, he works for them, obviously. So I won't worry too much about that. That's always been the way. Um, do I think it will happen was the first question? My answer to this question is, is I don't know because I can't see the future, but I think there's still a very good chance. And, you know, that, and the reason why I say that is because it's gone quiet in terms of any new development. But where the situation is, is kind of where it was when it was when it looked like it was about to happen. In that United still want him, Dortmund still want to sell. I'm not saying they need to sell, there's a difference there, okay? So, you know, if I, if I said they needed to sell, I think you, you would see this being hurried up a bit more, but I think they want to sell and Sancho wants to go. And, I, I, and how can I say this? There are, there are way that there is rocking the boat and there's rocking the boat. So, I don't think someone like Jadon Sancho or any player really, unless they're really desperate, and he's certainly not that, is going to go public. But there are other ways of, I'm going to say, accelerating a process. And, and, and each club, and both Dortmund and United could also use other ways than going, inverted commas, public to sort of accelerate the process. So, do I think it will happen? I don't know. But I, I, I'm not any less confident than I was sort of two or three weeks ago, which we know when I was, then I was pretty confident. I'm actually on holiday this week, and I had a conversation just before, um, you know, I went off for a break, which was Friday. So, okay, we're now Wednesday. Three or four days ago, I accept that. But then the conversation was, you know, this is, from, from sort of people who would know about it, this, this is a little bit like the Fernandez situation where it took some time. But in the end, listen, it doesn't mean to say it will definitely happen because it is, it is impossible to know. But, I, you know, I thought, okay, Let's wait and see. Well, what was the middle question um, with regard to? You had oh, it's uh, regards to the finances. I mean, yes. you're hearing a lot that we need to sell before we can buy. Sure, for me, that's what's going to happen. You need to get Smalling out. You need to get Jones out. You need to get Lingard, Pereira. I think there's talks about Fred. We can talk about him in a bit, but surely that's going to happen first from my situation. What I don't understand though is that. We, United managed to shift out Sanchez, who was a huge, huge chunk of your wage yeah. bill. I think that's great business they've done. That. I don't care. He went for nothing. Uh, you know, the, the, the rest of his contract was now is off our books. But well, United, surely they should be able to afford it, a club of that size in terms of... Yeah, you know, I've, never said, I've never said they couldn't afford it. And this, is what, this goes back to my point earlier about looks like they're trying to get three proper players in rather than just two. Because the Van der Beek one, to me, you know... It's not a bonus. That's not the right way of saying it. But I, I'm, I'm thinking, 
there's that. They know they I know he wants a centre back and I know he wants Sancho. So the fact they've got Van der Beek doesn't mean to say one of those two positions goes now. I don't I don't you know, I just don't I don't see that at all. So I do think they have the money. Um I think what they're more concerned about is not being it's not listen, it's overinflated because United or your city, you know, you've got a load of money, and then it's overinflated where, you, where that's been pushed and the Mickey's been taken. And a little bit like Haaland at, at Christmas, sorry, January. Um, when, they, when they just walked away because of the the agent fee, basically, that's been demanded by Raiola. They just weren't happy at all. You know, I think that's what the concern is here, that, that the agent fee is 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 overblown. Not not the player wages, but the agent fee is, is maybe over overblown. Um, and, you know, with regard to the price, I don't think... I don't, I don't think the price is that big a deal. I think something could be worked out. If Dortmund get more or less what they want... And, what I think might happen is, let's say they want 120, they might end up with 100, and then there's 20 of add-ons. So today, Van, Van der Beek was, I think, 5 million add-ons, I was told, uh, euros. Um, Fernandez, if you looked at the Fernandez deal, actually what Sporting Lisbon got, they could say was what, they've all, what they'd always asked for, even though actually the down payment, the f- first payment was 46, which is way below what they're after. But if you looked at the add-ons, yeah, then th- both sides could say, Oh, you know, we got our man for what we wanted to pay. And I think that's what will happen with United. If if it happens, they'll, they'll pay X amount. I don't know what it will be up front. And then there'll be maybe 20, maybe 30 of add-ons. And maybe 10 or 15 of those are a little bit in the future. Like you've got to win the Champions League. Yeah, or Ballon d'Or or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, almost not impossible, but so let's, let's, let, I think that's, that's, that's the way this deal can be done. Whether it will be, let, let, let's see. I mean, I, you know, I think. I'm not hearing anything different other than all the three parties want it to happen. So that's quite a good starting point or middle point for any sale. I'd agree with you in, in the terms of it's been very quiet. And for me, that's a good sign. No one's actually said negotiations are over. So I just think United have to work a few things out. I mean, that brings us on to a few of the other positions. So obviously with Van der Beek coming in, again, I just think it's just such a clever signing. A signing that... United have done that with Bruno. I think that's a clever signing. I think Wan-Bissaka as well is a clever signing. A lot of people are on his back because he's not Trent going forward. But, you know, that's he's a very, very good player. And United have had a problem that right back probably since Wes Brown, John O'Shea, I would say. I know you can think about Neville. I know Valencia had had a good season. Young filled in for a little bit. Damian was pretty poor. Uh, Raphael, I'd say, probably. They haven't had a right back. So I think that's good business. Generally speaking, Oli spent the money well. Um, but we were linked very heavily, or we still are to an extent, to Jack Grealish. I honestly believe if, if Villa had gone down, Grealish would have been a United player very, very early on. Is Grealish now off the table that Van der Beek's come in? And we might as well couple this with the Tiago rumours. I'm a big fan of Tiago. I think it, I would like nothing better than bring the guy that I think is the heartbeat of that Bayern team. He was the conductor. He was just on another level. I think his injury record's a bit of a concern. His age for me is not a problem because United have got a very young squad. We've got the youngest starting eleven in the whole of the Premier League. But is it just a case of Bayern Munich are trying to hurry up Liverpool to make put the money down, or is yeah, it actually a case that this could be another Timo Werner situation where United could come in with the money? I, I can't with transfers. It's very difficult to say, but I, I, I would suggest it's a little bit of a remote chance now for Thiago. I don't see why they would go for him now that they've got Van der Beek. Um, you know, and they've got Fernandez and Pogba, and I just don't really see why they would pursue that. Um, and Jack Grealish, similarly, I mean, you know, Jack Grealish could sort of play up top wide as well, but I just don't. 
not at the moment. You know, he's probably on a list whereby if you don't get Sancho, or, you know, I, I don't think. If you look at the profile of players that they're signing, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't. I think he's got to be a. I think now it's a centre back. Um, and yeah, the wide, the wide forward, the sort of Sancho player. Um, you'd almost be like with Thiago. Is he? He's twenty nine, isn't he? Yeah, yeah twenty nine. He's had a lot of injuries, but he's yeah. That's the thing for me. It's just one of those situations. A lot of people have said, "Oh, it's Alexis Sanchez 2.0," but I don't agree. For me, I think United need an extra player in there. I wouldn't play Van der Beek deep. That's just my opinion. I think he's got decent defensive capabilities, but Pogba's not disciplined enough to to hold his position. And so, what I would say was, if you brought a Thiago in, United have shown in midfield after Bruno. And if Matic doesn't play, Fred's decent. I would say he's a good player. McTominay's not really impressed me much since the restart, but I, I think there's a space there. But yeah, 29 years old is he the profile that Oli's going for? Um, I, I just think there's too many. Other, I think you just mentioned it. There. I think they've, 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 they've kind of got enough now with the Van de Be- the Van der Beek signing. So I would be surprised because I just think that they're, they're then spending money that that you know that could be spent. Completing Sancho, for example. So I don't see, I don't really see either of those two. I'd be, I'd be surprised. You never know in football, all sorts of things can happen. For all I know, Fred's on his way, you know, and, and, and there is actually, you know, this is the reason why. But I think he, he likes Fred. I think Fred did well last last season. I was surprised actually how well he did do. He'd been a bit, a bit unlucky to lose his place to Matic. Um, I know the different sorts of players. Fred's more, kind of more attacking. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, the centre back's an interesting position because who do they go for? They do like the guy at um, Upper Meccano. Upper Meccano. Yeah, but I don't yeah. think we can get him. But, um, you know, the one I always pull out is Koulibaly. That's who they'd love to get. That sort of centre back, you know, a sort of powerhouse, pacey, you know, reads the game brilliantly, you know, blah, blah, blah. Because um, you really. Maguire and Lindelof could be fragile. And then you look beyond them. Well, Bay, he's always injured, isn't he? Or he's, he's made a glass. <laughs> Yeah, he's made a glass. He's... Who else have you got, really? Who, who you can Doing rely on? Well, yeah, but they injured. like him. He was captain of that Europa League game, but he, he's been injured. At, I worked it out. I don't know. He's, he's been injured a phenomenal amount of number of days. Um, I don't know, really. So, you know, Smalling, basically, he could stay if he wants to, but I, I wouldn't be surprised nah, if he, he does live. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Exactly. Well, what yeah, I want to ask you, Jamie, is that. So the Upamakana rumors have come out. So, so let's say we can safely assume that Thiago's probably not going to happen. Jack Grealish yeah. now Van der Beek's come in. Maybe Grealish is the next year transfer um, if Pogba does leave. Because I think that would be an idea. You know, you could it'd be a clever way phase if Pogba does leave. You bring in Van der Beek and Grealish can play on the left wing. But in terms of the centre back, um, Upamakana has been very heavily linked the last few days. His release clause is lower next year. Is there the appetite and the money to make that transfer now? Because I, I imagine you have to pay more than the release clause. We, we've yes. heard that that young lad from Monaco, Badishile, has been talking spoken about as well. Uh, Koulibaly, for me, was always the one we should have gone for instead of Maguire. I want to know your view on Maguire because Harry Maguire is a decent defender. I, I will admit his price tag is why everyone obviously be, beats him down. But if he's your first choice centre-back, your best centre-back, then you've got a ceiling. I think... He's a good centre back. He's he's got too many deficiencies in his game, and that's been exploited this season. Now that you need to play higher up, I just think the pace is a problem. He's a good leader. Um, do you think that 
United are looking for someone that's going to come straight in and partner him. Yeah, I think what they're looking at is that they want to get a player who's maybe actually better than Lindelof and Maguire, and then you know can lead the lead the defense. I think Maguire's you know st still going to be the captain, um, you know certainly until he has this retrial or this appeal, um, which is a long way off. But I think you just I keep on saying it, you lack pace almost to a sort of level that's a bit worrying. Um, what was the game? It was a game Bournemouth, I believe, locked down at Old Trafford. I think yeah. I think he won it five two, but it was a goal. Excuse we me, you got nutmegged. <laughs> yeah, and and you kept on getting at being got at sort of at a central position, sort of along your right hand side. I think Stanislas's pace it was. Mm. Uh, but that was just one example. And to, to Maguire specifically, the amount of times I've been sitting there at Old Trafford, I, I don't support United or City, by the way. I'm, I'm like a lapsed Forest fan. So I, I really don't care. Obviously, I want them to do well because, you know, it's, it's nice if the team should be Portland are doing well. Of course it is. Uh, but, you know, the amount of times I've sat there and, and, and God, Trump's Maguire there, she's lost that ball or, you know, and I think you, you, you say, well, he's a very good player, but I don't think he's absolutely brilliant. And it's not his fault. He costs uh, 35, 80 million. I think you get someone alongside him who is mustard. You know, he's going to look absolutely brilliant because he's got a part. You know what I mean? Um, Lindelof for me, he's okay. Like he, you know, I, if, it's a, if he had pace, it'd be a different proposition because that would be his X factor for that. You know, for your team. Maguire's um, got the sort of leadership, and you know, it's an interesting one about Maguire because he has basically been since obviously the captain since young left, but he's basically been the sort of the on-field personification of everything Oli Solskjaer, Gunnar Solskjaer is trying to do with, you know, the team spirit, ethic, leadership. And I think he's done that well. It's not that easy to come into United and sort of be the man. And I think he's handled it well. What will be interesting now is whether you like it or not, and I know, you know, he's, he's, he's appealing against what happened in Greece, but what, how will that affect his game? It might not do it, or it might do. But um, well, the problem he's going to have, or the challenge, let's say, is every time he makes, not every time, but if he makes a couple of mistakes... It'll almost become like, is this because, you know, this is yeah. hanging up? He's obviously denied that. What else? Could, you know, that's going to happen. What else do you do? But it's another little issue. I, I would actually suggest one of your problem positions as well is, is goalkeeper, or potentially it is because of the thing with De Gea. What is going to happen then? Well, I think De Gea starts as the number one. I think Henderson's probably told, look, no guarantees, but you've got a chance. You know, of competing. I think De Gea starts. I think they want. De, I think they think De Gea is the better keeper. But is that now sort of two or three years ago um, when he was winning your Player of the Season, sort of three or four years ago? Bounce. So I just wonder. You know, is he going to be a headache, or is the goalkeeper because could be a headache where De Gea makes some mistakes? He almost has to drop him. And Henderson, it's a little bit. I know it's always going to be the same, you know, for a goalkeeper at Manchester United, which just it's just different, a bit like being a manager or any position really, you know. But if Henderson comes in and can't handle it because he made some mistakes at Sheffield United, I know goalkeepers do, and I know they get illuminated and you know, blah 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 blah. But especially since the reports were when everyone when De Gea was making mistakes, everyone was saying, "Oh, Henderson should should take the spot." And as soon as the spotlight was on Henderson, Henderson started making mistakes. Look, I I maintain this that. Um, like United are obviously selling Sergio Romero. I believe they've agreed that fee's been agreed with Villa. Big mistake, in my opinion. I think he's, he's never let United down. I probably would have dropped De Gea at the end of last season. I and I've loved David De Gea. He's been a. I know you've watched him obviously live. I've watched him live. He's just out of this world. But he's not the same keeper anymore. And he's a great shot stopper. 
Solskjaer, the, the modern keepers change now. They have to play with their feet. They have to be a bit more intelligent. He's not very good at those areas. United gave went and gave him a three hundred fifty thousand pound a week contract. I was against that. I thought United's wage bills are a mess. Obviously, you know this very well. There's players there that shouldn't be there on those wages. And when they gave him that, I just knew that when he did decline, they're just not going to be able to shift him. And now they're stuck with a player who they have to play because he's on such a big wage. He's probably got a clause in his contract that says, I need to pay this amount of games. I would have dropped him for Romero at the end of last season. I would have sent, given Henderson a new contract. Again, 120000 a week for someone that hasn't played for United is crazy for me, but that's just the way it is. I would have sent Henderson back to Sheffield United or somewhere else in the Premier League and played regularly. And I would have said to Romero, right, you've got the number one, but the hair, you've got to fight for it back. If the hair doesn't have the appetite, you ship him out in the, in the January or summer. I think the thing with Henderson is I don't think he wanted to go out on loan. I think he's looked at um, the Euros next summer, maybe, and thought, you know, my best chance, maybe, of forcing my way into the actual team, not just the squad, is if I'm playing in goal for Manchester United. It's a, it's a big, uh, not gamble, but a big uh, ask for him to do, do, you know, break into United's team. But I think fair play to him, you know, that he, he he's decided against going back out on loan. Whether it works from, I, I don't know. Um, the problem with De Gea, the, this is the problem with goalkeeper because you've only got one of them, obviously, in a team. If you drop that player because he deserves to be dropped, and the next one comes in, you know, and, and as, a, as a couple of shockers, where do you go then? It's sort of almost you go back to the first, and it, you know, that, that's just the way it is. That's football sort of thing. Excuse me, but yeah, I'll be interested to see because I don't know. I think you're right about Romero. Why why they're getting rid of a guy who's Argentina's number one or certainly has been. And as you said, I've, I've watched him live a few times for United, obviously, yeah. in this job. And he's always done brilliant, if you like. You know, almost never a mistake. I can't remember a mistake. Mistake. You know, that's the guy who's having to come in cold, not playing week in week out. Yeah, you know, just here and there. So I agree. I, I agree with you. I mean, moving on. Let's let's move on to Fred quickly. And then one more question. I, I appreciate we've gone a bit over the time, Jamie. So sorry about that. But Fred, the reports of him to Galatasaray, nonsense or is there something in it? Never say nonsense or never in in any sort of transfer, but. I, I would be, I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised. I think he might want to get get rid of Pereira, for example, more easily. You know, um, Fred is a player who now sort of knows the Solskjaer way, has done well for you, has looked actually a United player, certainly a squad player. You know, good enough to be a squad player, if not a starter. Sometimes, I just don't see if he's trying to build a squad of depth. Of quality, because the other thing to say is, you know, that was a long season last season. I know, obviously, because the, the the lockdown, but there were times when he was looking around. I think, if it, you know, with regard to sort of say his front players, who can I bring on? And I think midfield was actually one area was a little bit better stocked. I just don't think, I don't know, it it, it might happen, but I'd be I'd be I, I would be interested to ask if that happens. I'd be interested to ask Solskjaer myself, you know, not in any aggressive way but oh what's your thinking there because you've got a player that is bedded in for you who's looked decent it might be a balance of books thing but i'd say keep an eye on it but i'd be surprised okay brilliant let's move on to the last question and i know you mentioned earlier about the direct football and yeah. how you know perhaps united don't necessarily need one but why is it that every summer we hear these reports saying United looking for direct football, and then you see a report later on in the summer. It, for me, look, I'm I'm just a fan, so you know you're you're a journalist, you're an expert. Like, is it just United trying to appease the fans? Because that's how I feel sometimes. I've seen this report for the last four or five summers, and well, 
you know, what I would say is this as well. Second part of the question, sorry, Jamie, is um, Nikki Butts obviously done some really great stuff with the academy. I think the academy is now starting to purchase some of the best young talent around, and I like that strategy again. That's back to United's culture and United's values. Is there any possibility that he could maybe move upstairs and be that bridge between? I mean, this is just devil's advocate, but if they don't want to go and bring a big guy like Luis Campos from Lille in or, or someone like Monchi from Sevilla, why not just bring in someone that knows the club? I, I would be surprised, given how pleased they are with Solskjaer, given how the how he's got veto on signings, given how the structure now is that... I think Nicky Butt even now does have some sort of say with regard... I, actually, the... The word you use there, Bridgie, is some sort of link, I think, actually materially when it comes to sort of a voice on on recruitment. Um, I mean, the, the story first originated what turned out to be Mourinho's last summer, October, sorry, August of 2018. I, I happened to break that story, actually, for The Observer. Um, and at the time, I was told that, yeah, we're going to do this. It'll be the first one in our history, however many hundred odd years you've been going then. Um but then, but since then, it, it has been, if not downgraded, sounds wrong, but sort of it, it is no longer a, a sort of an overseeing director of football. It, it became a technical director. How it was characterized to me was it was going to be a, dire, a director of football, you know, in, in all the ways you'd think that would mean. It then became a technical uh, director, someone to sit alongside. So, not, not a sort of, and, and why these, to be honest, I hadn't noticed any stories about, about it this summer. If, if they're about, fair enough, but. I, I just don't think it fits. They may recruit a guy who's a football expert, but I don't think he's going to sit above Solskjaer. I just don't see that because of, because of because of how how what they've got going now. They think that's working, so it may well just be to do a slightly different role than what you might imagine. Because I just don't think they want one anymore. I think they, they've kind of understood. They, they kind of they think that they now understand more about recruitment, how to do it, how to work it in a club internally in terms of who has a say. Uh, and then who you know who then goes out and tries to get the deal. So again, a bit like um, Fred leaving or Grealish coming. I'd be I'd be really surprised if, if, if you know if you wake up one morning and here we here we have a director of football who's sort of almost like you know the continental model. I don't just I just don't think so. Yeah, no, I think I agree with you. I mean, the person I look over to is probably. Um, Edwin van der Sar, yeah. someone like that who knows the club. He, I think that's what United need. An outside hire would be nice, maybe with a, some fresh perspective, but I do think that maybe someone like him as... Look, Edward was not going to give up the CEO position, we know that, but maybe someone who's on the more of the footballing side that can, you know, like I say, bridge that gap. But Jamie, I appreciate I've taken way more of your time than, uh, <laughs> than I wanted to, but it's been an absolute pleasure. The insight has been phenomenal. And um, just tell the listeners where they when your book's coming out, um, and like what platforms it'll be released on. Okay, well, thank you very much for kind words. Yeah, so um, the, it's a biography of Solskjaer. It's called The Red Apprentice because he's their sort of great hope. It's out, on the, it's out on the 29th of October, which obviously now next month. It can be pre-ordered, which is obviously you buy it now for, for delivery. I think I think it's the day after it comes out, or if not the day. Um, people have been doing that, actually, and I feel very grateful. It's sort of, it's gone up to today, it's its highest ever position, number seven. Um, and, and that was on the Amazon. Amazon's not the only place you can buy it, but it's one of the, it is a massive, obviously, retailer of books worldwide. You can get it on Kindle, hardback, or um, audiobook. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, hopefully, I, I, as I was the same, hope, you know, I learned about Solskjaer. Because if you actually look at him, his life, 
and actually his football career, there's not that much known about him beyond what we kind of all know, if you understand what I mean. Um, and so I, I, you know, I was very interested to find out some of the, some of this new stuff. So hopefully that's what the reader will, you know, enjoy a little bit of just finding out a lot more about about him because he's had a very very interesting life. The Champions League goal, what he's doing at United, is a good indicator of his interesting life. But there's lots of other things as well which are interesting i'd say sort of revelationary so hopefully you know people enjoy it if they do happen to be kind enough to buy it that sounds fascinating i'm definitely gonna buy a copy and last 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 question <laughs> what is he like as a person because you know he seems yeah. like a really decent person he seems like he's has time for everybody i know some people think he's a soft touch i think he's shown he's got a ruthless side but is he what he appears on the surface or is there just so much more to him i think that's a good way of putting it what you see is what what, what you get really he's he's friendly as much as he can do, he has a. He tries to have a warm rapport with you at press conferences. Obviously, he sees the same reporters like myself sitting there at the Jimmy Murphy Centre most often. You know, at the training ground. A few of us he calls by our net. Basically, if he knows you, if he knows your first name and you're a regular, and he remember it, he'll call you by that nice little touches. Um, but I think he's got a bit of steel in him. You know, I think he, as I say, that 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 Ferguson era was filled with unbelievable footballers who mentally were at the edge. And I think he was one of them. And, you know, I, I like the clip of him telling Lingard off. I think it was the game, the derbies, was it at City? It was in January, end of January. Anyway, basically saying he might have sworn he might not, but, you know, one more of those and you're off. That's kind of what he's like. He doesn't say too much on the touchline. If you, you know, he sort of sits there, but when it's needed, a bit like Ferguson, really. So, you know, the bottom line, of course, is results. You know, it doesn't matter. You can have all these things, but if you're not winning enough matches to sort of be a proper football team, in the end, it's it's goodbye, isn't it, f for them all? But, um, you know, I, I think what he did last season is a pretty good calling card, really. I don't think he could have done much more. You, I don't really think he could have finished ahead of Liverpool or City. You might not, not like, with that. You might not like to hear no. that, United fans. I get that. No, no, no. This is the truth. So what, what, what could you do? Finish third. He only just did it, but he did do it. So, you know... Now is the time between now and let's say to later start of the season. So let's say January. I normally say Christmas. Let's see where where you are in January. You know you need to be flying or more or less flying. I'd say in you know in the league and you know like Sancho's been signing, popping in goals, and it's like crumbs. Okay, this lot are you know are a bit of a terrifying proposition. So that's the challenge for him. That's what you got. That's what you got to do at United. It's simple as that. I completely agree. It's um, it's exciting though. It's been seven years of obviously difficultness, but it's definitely exciting. And Jamie, again, thank you so much for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Thank you. Thanks for asking me on. No problem. And uh, to all listeners, yeah, just like, subscribe. We've got some great guests coming on as well. Obviously, Jamie's our star one this week, but we've got a lot of new content coming up. So make sure you you uh, retweet this out, and we will see you next time. Aguero!